We're going to continue this morning in the book of Hebrews, the book of Hebrews uh, chapter 11. And you have a printout of chapter, the entire chapter 11 in your bulletin, I think it's in there, or if you don't have your uh, Bibles with you. And we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 11, and we will um, begin at the 8th verse, Hebrews chapter 11. And we'll, we'll begin, we'll pick up where we left off there at the 8th verse. And, and with distinction, I don't think I, I greeted um, all those who have decided to tune in and be a part of our service digitally. Uh, I greeted the church that's digital and present, but I didn't greet um, maybe our visitors to the online experience, the live experience of Sycamore Hill Church, Wilmington Campus. So we're here, Hebrews chapter 11, and I'll begin reading at the 8th verse. It says, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of the land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. He has prepared for them a city. Father, we thank you, Lord, for uh, the things you have designed, uh, what you've set in place, Lord. And we thank you for, for the vehicle of faith that will allow us to arrive at that destination, Lord. Help us now be encouraged in that faith, uh, be encouraged in your will and your purpose and your service in your praise and your worship, Lord. Um, be present among us, Lord. Bless all that are gathered here, Lord, the households represented here, Lord, and those that are watching, Father. Uh, we thank you, Lord. We pray for a, a new encounter. We pray for fresh anointing to preach and anointing to receive your word. And ask that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Lord, you're my strength, my redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. 
on April the 3rd, 1968, uh, in, his, in his last speech, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. famously announced that he had seen the promised land. Uh, I believe in, in interpreting it that what he, was, what he was seeing and hoping for as he shouted, mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord, uh, was that people would not give up their struggle toward freedom and, and God would faithfully begin to establish justice here in this nation. Uh, he was wanting America to live up to her promises for all people. Um, and I, and I, I agree with the, with the need to engage the struggle for justice, to uh, be instruments for, for the balancing of power with love. And I'm also thankful uh, for the reminding of this scripture today that no matter how discouraged we may get trying to accomplish things down here, there remains a greater promise from God. This greater promise that lies ahead of us should encourage our hearts to always be faithfully seeking a better city. Seeking a better city. That's the title of the message, Seeking a Better City. Uh, as, as a background, uh, this letter to the Hebrews, written in a style of a sermon, both warns and encourages. Uh, it, it gives warning to a group of Jewish Christians that there's more danger in turning away from God's only way of salvation than there is in any persecution or, uh, 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 or rejection that they might be facing. Uh, wanting to encourage this group of believers to endure, uh, to, to go on in the faith and not give up, the writer of, of Hebrews holds up faithful examples from their past. Uh, in, in chapter 11 in Hebrews, he begins highlighting people from the past whose active faith pleased God. Uh, beginning with Abel and Enoch and, and Noah, he calls attention to their faith, uh, a faith that believed, a faith that drew near, a faith that obeyed God at all costs. And, and as he continues to uh, walking through what some have called the hall of faith, taking snapshots of the lives of people from the book of Genesis, uh, the writer emphasizes a few more major examples now of, of those living by faith to encourage the readers. Uh, this is for the weary. This is for uh, those who are uh, facing trouble. And, and, and the main point that he drives at them is that the faithful are unshackled from both past and present as they live seeking God's promise. The faithful, they need to be unshackled from both past and present as they live seeking God's promise. He says, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that uh, he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. You got to pause there, don't you? Uh, 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 continuing on in the book of Genesis, the writer now consider, cons considers the faith 
of Abraham through his call and through his journey. Uh, uh, his, his, the, remember, the, the writer of Hebrews, his sermon text is the book of Genesis uh, for, for a good part of this, right? Um, it's, it's good reading, too. If you, if you haven't read it already, set some time aside this week and just kind of walk through uh, Genesis 12 to 25 and hear how Abraham be, became known as the father of the faith and a friend of God. That might be something we want to know. <laughs> if you already read it, read it again. It's just encouraging to the spirit. Um, but here in, in summary form, the writer lets us know uh, Abraham's first step of faith was immediate obedience to God's calling. Uh, the verse literally says that <clears throat> as God called, Abraham was going. Uh, that's what it means. That the, the translation doesn't get it good. I mean, Abraham wasn't like many uh, children who, uh, after you call from another room, you hear the response, I'm coming. And then after five and ten minutes later, you call again, I'm coming now. Uh, if, you, if you haven't been there, uh, but, but But no, no, when, when God called, Abraham was on his way. But the question was where? Uh, to, to, a, to a random land. Uh, uh, the Lord basically said, you'll see when you get there. You'll see when you get there. Uh, uh, some of us won't move unless God sends us a complete map with turn-by-turn directions. Um, some of us won't, won't budge. Uh, but but here, here's a help, though. If, if you're certain God is the one that's calling, uh, 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 if, it, if it's been verified, if it's not just something you ate last night giving you a funny feeling in your stomach, if you're certain that God, if it can be verified in the Scripture and you've met with your pastor about it, it's, if you're certain that it's, God is the one that's calling, your simple work of faith is just obey. Simple work of faith is just obey. I, I like what, what uh, Dr. King said again, is, is, is uh, faith is taking the first step even when you don't see the whole staircase. I, I like that he said that. I don't like how it feels, but I like how he said it. Uh, anybody know you're not always going to like how faith feels, right? Abraham's faith here was magnified because he obeyed with little direction. Uh, he had no idea where he was going, only that the Lord had called him to come out and go. So, so there was not only uh, the uncertainty of <clears throat> where he was being called to, there was the familiar and secure uh, nature, the drawing of what he was being called from. Uh, two sides to it. In Genesis 12 and 1, uh, it tells us that he was called to leave his land his relative, relatives and his father's household. Uh, that could have been his inheritance. It was his security. Uh, uh, also, uh, there in Ur of the Chaldeans, where he, where he left, uh, there was also uh, idolatry and rampant uh, multitude of false gods who were being worshipped, and that would have been all he would have known. Uh, uh, Abraham, like I'd like to tell people, he wasn't born a, 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 a preacher. <laughs> I tell people that about myself, not about Abraham. Uh, but that would have been everything that he had known. Um, but whatever there was there, we're told that he walked away from his old life by faith. He, he wasn't shackled to his past. 
He wasn't shackled to his past. Um, one, one other important note from Genesis is that uh, there was also something at stake in regard to Abraham's obedience. Um, something can be counting on your obedience. The Lord tells him in Genesis 12 and 3, I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. See, this was bigger than, than just some personal choice for Abraham. Uh, it, it had impact uh, on the world as, as God's plan was to use him to begin uh, releasing his blessings in the world again by faith. The world had been going through some things before Abraham, if you've been tracking through Genesis. And, and God wanted to let his blessings begin to flow again by faith. And it was starting with the obedience of Abraham. Uh, something can be counting on your obedience to God. Someone can be counting on your obedience to God. Verse 9 says, by faith, he went to live in a land of promise. As in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. The writer goes on describing Abraham's journey now after being called by God. By faith, he was literally uh, willing to be alienated. Uh, this is what, what the scriptures is, is telling us. Although Abraham had the promise of God, he was entering into a place where he had no more status and, and would have been stepping into the shoes of a foreigner. Um, uh, he would have been uh, moving about as a person that had no residence. Uh, uh, he would have probably been treated in kind. Uh, if not for the Lord on his side. Uh, uh, society has a tendency to not be kind toward those who can't claim residence. Amen? Right. Even today. But Abraham chose to, to obey. Abraham lived in Canaan. It was, it was promised to him by the Lord, but it, it never truly became home for him. He never walked around like a king or a ruler there building elaborate houses and castles. And uh, although he uh, did attain some wealth there in Canaan, he pitched a tent like his son and his grandson would do later. Uh, like, like, like just like Isaac and Jacob would end up doing. He pitched, he pitched a tent. The tent was easily made ready to take down and to be traveling at any moment. Uh, it was transitory. With the pitching and the, and the striking down of the tent, we get the picture that Abraham, he didn't tie himself to the land. Um, but he did tie himself to God. He tied himself to the Lord in worship and devotion. Genesis records him uh, uh, building altars on four occasions. He would pitch a tent and he would build an altar. He would pitch a tent and he would build an altar uh, in there in, in chapter 12 and uh, uh, chapter 13, chapter 22. You find him building altars for the worship of the Lord. He believed all the promises of God, but the text shows us uh, that his true attachment, it was to the Lord. Um, uh, we see that, that, that in this, that he was unshackled from his past, but he also viewed the present as temporary, Right? 
uh, there, there was something more lasting and permanent in God that Abraham had his eye on. Uh, and we, didn't, we, we might not have really known that in, in Genesis, but I'm thankful for the, for the, for the preacher in Hebrews the, clearing that up for us. Uh, something he had his eye on. There was, a, there was a specific city that had God himself as the architect, the writer said. Uh, that, that, uh, that, that was, in that time, it was a common description of, of a creator God, the architect of, of the universe. But, but now Abraham had encountered this architect uh, personally. The writer elaborates on Abraham's desire a little more in the coming verses. We're going to dig in a little more about how Abraham felt about this thing. But before, before that, he, he shifts to remind the readers, I like how he does this, to remind the readers that Abraham had a partner in faith. Uh, that's good news. That's Bible. The Bible says it's not good for man to be alone. Verse 11, by faith, Abraham, I mean, by faith, Sarah. Let me relax. I'm excited. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the lip of the sea, by the seashore. Um, traveling with, with, with Abraham since his call from God, Sarah, formerly known as Sarai, right? Uh, she, she demonstrated faith. Being 65 years old and unable to have children, she goes out with Abraham, who God promised would be a great nation. Uh, when it was time to go, I, I almost hear Sarah saying, not without me, he won't be a nation. I, I, by faith. Um, even, even, even though the, the, the grammar here, people have wrestled with the grammar here in these verses, it makes it hard to pinpoint if it was Sarah who received strength to conceive, or if it was Abraham. I'm walking lightly through this, y'all. Um, but, but, but there seems, in, in either case, there seems to be an intentional pointing towards Sarah that stresses both her trust in God and his working through her barrenness. Right? Uh, even after 24, year, 24 disappointing years, Sarah still remained faithful. She still maintained faith. Um, she would lay down at night with expectant hope that the promised child was still God's plan. Uh, are you with me? Uh, because of this faith, uh, she'd also become the first in a list of women who uh, lived with barrenness until the Lord gave them the ability to conceive, which always led to a special and a notable child being born. In every, in every case, you could see Rebecca, you could see Rachel, and then in, in a distant future, you could sit down and have a conversation in a special way with Mary. Um, but, uh, so, but some who, I, I know, some who, who've read the Genesis account, and, and they're hearing 
the discernment and hearing the preacher of Hebrews, they might want to mention Sarah's failure of patience. Um, it was in the back of somebody's mind probably. Or, or, or her laughter at the thought of her and old Abraham having a child 90 and 100 years old. Um, but first, before, before anyone is, uh, throws shade at Sarah or, or starts to hate the heroine of faith, uh, uh, consider what it looks like when you wait on God to work out his plan in your life. See, that stops. That, see how that stops that? But second, you know, exegetically, second, the writer is focusing on what God can do with the faithful even in spite of their failures. That's the writer's point and purpose. Sarah can take her seat in this list of names as the faithful matriarch, Sarah. She would, she would deliver the child of promise, Isaac, and be a great-grandmother to the 12 tribes of Israel who were Jake, the sons of Jacob. So, so anyone struggling with the weight can remember and say, uh, by faith, Sarah. By faith, Sarah. Turning back to, to Abraham, the writer makes the point that the Lord was faithful to his promise, even when it looked impossible. Uh, and, and even when the, the one receiving the promise doesn't physically get to see it all, he's still faithful. Verse 13, look, look at what happened. These all died in faith. This, this story was flowing nicely until we get to verse 13. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland, a, a fatherland, um, if they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Oh, I like how that closed. Uh, uh, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, uh, with the matriarch, Sarah, kept the faith until the end. Uh, they, they saw the beginnings of God working his promise through them, but by remaining in the faith, they were able to see the greater picture of the promise from a distance, it says. Uh, when it, when it might have seemed to some like they missed out, the posture of their hearts uh, toward God and faith allowed them to get a good look at what they were really after, uh, faith it's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Uh, faith allows you to see things. But, uh, because they took that first step of faith, they got to see the whole staircase and all that they hoped for waiting at the end of it, at the top landing. They got to see it. Um, Jesus, Jesus helps us look at this a different way. He says one day um, in Jerusalem, while he was explaining the, the bigger picture of God's plan to some unbelievers, uh, Jesus mentioned how Abraham had been looking forward to and then actually got to see the time of his coming, and he did it with joy. Jesus said, Abraham 
long to see my day. He rejoiced when he saw it. There in John chapter 8, verse 56, um, the, the, the Lord had revealed some great things to Abraham by faith. The, the writer here says that they greeted these promises from afar off. Um, I, there's still some mystery in that, but uh, we, we don't know how the Lord exposed these things uh, to Abraham, but, but they greeted him from afar off. Uh, it was a distance. I mean, picture, picture Abraham like a, like a grandparent standing on a stoop uh, and smiling and waving as he sees a, a caravan of his children and his grandchildren coming to spend a good long time with him in his new home. From afar off, uh, he greeted them from afar off. The, the caravan of, of children is beautiful and it keeps coming and coming, but it, it's really the new home that he wants them to see. It's, it's about the new home. So, so still, even after the Lord told Abraham all of the land that he could see, anywhere his eyes could reach, uh, uh, that, that, that all of it belongs to him, that it's his, uh, we hear Abraham in Genesis 23 and 4 still there calling himself a sojourner and a foreigner in that land. He took a position. He took a posture. Someone... Uh, uh, with no citizenship or rights in that place. That's, he stood in that, in that position. Abraham and the others could have staked a claim as owners there in the land, but with their lips and with their lives, they made their desires plain that they were looking for another land, a, a, a new home. They were looking for a new home. Uh, they, they were content in, in, in journeying this way uh, uh, because they had accepted that they were only passing through. But they were always leaning forward into God's promise as they were passing through. Um, they, they accepted the ups and the downs of their present day uh, 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 life in faith. They accepted it with the eye on something greater uh, than the land that they had came out of or even uh, greater than the land where they were now pitching their tents. Uh, they recognized that the promise was bigger than the joy of, of children filling their tents. The promise was bigger than, than, than a portion of land there over in the, in the Near East. Uh, yes, the, the, the promised land of Canaan would hold some joy for them. Their family would become a great nation. Yes, they would birth rulers and kings. They would build a holy city and call it Jerusalem. But they'd also have to face uh, uh, much war and much pain and, and conquering and suffering. And as cherished as that earthly holy city Jerusalem would be, there would only be limited access to God there. It was only a shadow of the true city that they were after. In, in, in Galatians 4:30, Paul calls it Jerusalem. Uh, it calls, he calls it the Jerusalem that is above. In the book of Revelation, it's called the, the, the New Jerusalem. It's called the Holy City, uh, there with, with no night. And in no darkness, uh, the, the Lord himself being the source of light and complete access to God. I, I've heard some, some people call it the land of no more. 
They call it the land of no more because the revelation tells us it's a place with no more tears and no more suffering and no more pain and no more death. It's a place where God himself will wipe tears from the eyes of the hurting. That land, that's the land that they were, they, they were after. This, this, this is the place that is designed, built, and prepared by God. It, it's, it's a prepared place for prepared people. Uh, this is a place that, that these faithful ones had settled on in their hearts. Uh, that's where they were really living as they, as they journeyed and so, sojourned through the land. Uh, this is the place where they were stretching out their arms and reaching for by faith. This place, and the scripture tells us that God is not ashamed to be connected with folks like these. Uh, even if you thumb through and find all of their failures, the scripture said that God is not ashamed to be called their God. He, he'd even go on to, to claim them, announcing to Moses, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, God uh, is not ashamed to be called their God by faith. Now, placing this picture in front of the wavering, the weak uh, uh, Hebrew Christians considering turning back and drawing back and turning away, the, the writer would remind and he would encourage them to not place too much stake in their present circumstances or, or, or even contemplate uh, the, the regaining of any kind of so-called status or, or privilege of, of returning to their old lives. He would have reminded them to, to join these faithful ones in attaching their hearts to what God has prepared for them. Uh, this focus and this posture, this faithful leaning toward a heavenly homeland, it would help them endure whatever it is that they might have to face if they would situate themselves right, posture themselves right before God, they would have uh, strength uh, to endure by faith. Um, but we are also called to have the same faithful focus that they have. Uh, uh, in Colossians 3, Paul urges those that have been raised with Christ, born again, to seek and to set our minds on things above where Christ is seated. Uh, we're not called to ignore the world but we're also not called to be shackled to it by our affections and our desires. Um, we're called to be strangers uh, in, in a world that preaches that everybody should be living their best life now. Uh, I'm living my best. You've seen it. Uh, I, you, you've, you've seen the social media. I'm living my best life now. If your best life is now, you're missing something big. Uh, and, and sadly enough, the church has been caught up in that. Living our best life now. What? Well, no, God doesn't say that. <laughs> We're called to be strangers to that. Scripture teaches us our best life and our true life is hidden with Christ in God. So by faith, we occupy and we obey down here. Uh, we follow God's definite call down here. But we also recognize and remember that it's not our home. I mean, we, we, we do what God has assigned our hands to do down here, um, but we know by faith this is not the end of the story. Our, our, our home is a place in his presence that has been prepared for us. 
You remember when Jesus, uh, before he was crucified, he told the disciples, I go to prepare a place for you, uh, that where I am, that you may be also. Uh, we, we usually only hear that now at funerals, but that's good news every day to me. Um, only to the extent that we remember and faithfully reach for the promise can we lead and encourage others to enter into the land of promise. If we're not toward it ourselves, we can't direct anyone else into it. The, 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 only, the only question I would have is, is there anything you're facing that can overshadow this promise, this prepared place that God has built designed? Is there anything in life that's over, is there, is there anything in your old life, your BC days, that's before Christ, that could compare or overshadow anything in your present life? I don't care if it's pleasure or if it's pain. Is there anything that could overshadow this promise? Uh, and, and we know what the answer is supposed to be, but we are to be searching ourselves to make sure that nothing rises up against this promise and nothing hinders us from living a life that leans faithfully, fully toward God and his promise while we're still occupying and obeying him down here. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for this word. Thank you for the encouragement. Um, Lord, whether we admit it or not, we get weary. Whether we admit it or not, we let this world... And sometimes the desires of this world cast shadows over your promises. Lord, I pray now that the sun of righteousness would rise and cast down all those shadows. That Jesus would be exalted, Lord, in us, through us, Lord. That we would be carrying out your purpose for your glory. And God, that we would be seeing from afar off. You greeting us, Lord. You calling us. We thank you, Lord, for this joy and this hope. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen.